This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. In of your dad's Yasite, Baruch Ben Aaron Berman is Neshamash and Aliyah. Thank you so much. And thank you, Anglet. And today we are discussing the third principle. Today we are talking about the third principle of faith. And the third principle of faith is Hashem has no body. Hashem is not physical. And there's nothing we can even comprehend about Hashem in terms of uh, the substance of Hashem. Hashem is not physical. En He has no body. En lo He has nothing which is like a body. Right? Not just he doesn't have no body. He has no thing, nothing like a body. And then it continues, the Yigdal continues, Lo naroch elav kedushato. It's impossible to equal his holiness. You have to understand what's the connection between holiness and not having a body. That's the, that's the question. So the third principle is the principle regarding lack of physicality of Hashem. There is no physical phenomena when it comes to Hashem. No physical phenomena when it comes to Hashem. He has no body, no other kinds of physical attributes. Um, there's no moving, there's no resting, there's no eating, there's no drinking, obviously. There's no uh, linking and no separation. And that's what the Gemara says in Hagigat Tedvav. I just want to read you what the Gemara says. En lemala. There's nothing in the world above. Lo yeshiva lo amida. No sitting and no standing. No uh, separation and no joining. The Prophet tells us, Who will you compare me to? This is Yeshayahu chapter 40. Who will you compare me to? Yomar Kadosh. I'm holy. Right? So there's nothing you can compare Hashem to, the Prophet says. All you know is Hashem is holy, which we're going to talk about. What is that? What's that going to do with not being physical? And then we know that in the Varim, in Parsha Vayit Hanam, where it talks about the Ten Commandments again. When you got the Ten Commandments, you never saw any kind of shape or picture of Hashem. There's no picture of Hashem. Why? Because Hashem has got no shape. So we got the Ten Commandments, we never saw Hashem in terms of a physical form. There's no physical form. So if Hashem had a physical form, obviously, we'd be able to compare Him to something physical. And that part of the Yigdal is, there's nothing you can compare Him to. Hello, the Butagu. He has no, nothing comparable to any kind of body. Uh, so what does that mean? So aging does not have anything to do with Hashem. Hashem is above time. If Hashem had a body, he'd be able to age. You say the body gets older. If Hashem had a body, he'd be limited to the body. He'd be limited to something, and Hashem is unlimited. So there's a, potentially if Hashem had a body, then be, there could be two Hashems, there could be three Hashems, there could be five Hashems. Once you limit God to a physical form, a physical form is limited, and therefore there could be other physical forms. So therefore we believe Hashem has got no physical form. What a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant idea. Brilliant idea. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. I just want to read you what the Rambam says. This is the Rambam in Yisodah Torah, in the foundation for the Torah, Halacha Zayin, chapter 1, Halacha Zayin. Elokaze, this God, Echadhu, is one. Ve'enu shnaim ve'lo yetera shnaim. He's not two and not more. Elechad, only one. His unity, as we mentioned before, is like no other unity in the world. It's a unique unity. 
Amazing. This concept of unique unity. When we say Hashem Echad, we have to think in our heads. Hashem is unity, is like a unique unity, like no other, no other unity we know of. What does that mean? Because we know all the other unities you can split. Mm-hmm. Hashem's unity is not divisible. Right. If there were many gods, they would have bodies. So according to Rambam, Rambam says, if there were bodies, then you could have more than one. Because then they'd be limited to their bodies, that you could have more than one. And uh, so that's, that's the third principle. third principle now is Hashem has got no body. Because if he had a body, he says, any time person has a body and the body is limited, their power is also limited. We know God's power is unlimited. It never ends. And therefore his, his power does not come from his body. He doesn't have a body. And since he has no body, anything which describes a body cannot happen to Hashem. And therefore, Hashem is one. If you had a body, it would be possible they have parts. And this is a positive mitzvah. This knowledge of the God has got no body and the unity. So he links the unity of God to the knowledge that God has no body. Because if God had a body, then maybe there could be more than one. And God will be limited. So this is all part of the mitzvah. Mitzvah that say, positive commandment, Hashem Hashem Echad. God is our God and God is one. There's one God with no bodies, no limitations. Harim Furash Torah. And this is explicit in the Torah and the prophets. Shein HaKadosh Baruch Hu that God has got no body. God is in the heavens above and the, and the, and the world below. And it's impossible when a person has a body to be in two places at the same time. Hashem is in two places at the same time. He's in the world's heavens above. And He's now here as well. And number two, it says in Devarim, You never saw any shape when you got the Ten Commandments. So, therefore, now the Rambam has a question. And this is a question which should bother us also. If so, why does the Torah say, Tachat Raglav, under his feet? If you look at the, in uh, Parshat Mishpatim, right? What does it say? Tachat Raglav, Kevin Hasapir, like sapphire stone. Remember that? It's in Parshat Mishpatim. There was sapphire stone. So, what do you mean, under his, uh, under his legs? Hashem's legs. What does it say, uh, Yad Hashem, the hand of God? What does it say, Etzba Elokim, the finger of God? What does it say, the eyes of God? Why does it say, the ears of God? It's for man. All this is for man to be able to understand something about God. Okay. So all these things are kinuim, all these things are not to be taken literally, yes. I feel like it's very easy to accept that Hashem has no body. That's, I mean, I don't, to me, that's obvious. It's much harder to with emotions, right? So the fact that the, the Torah says finger of God, the arm of God, that to me seems obvious. There was no arm, there was no finger. Right. But when it talks about anger and compassion and jealousy and all of that, it's very hard to imagine something with no emotion. Why? I mean, we see this today, computers. Uh, to, today, computers don't have emotions, but they have to teach it. Artificial intelligence, amazing. How they have okay, to, but we have to believe that Hashem loves us. Hashem is above everything. So Hashem has above everything, above any kind of emotion. So what does that mean, Hashem loves us? Hashem cares for us, but not in an emotional sense. We have no concept. But the truth is that men can understand it more. Why? 
Because men, they're less emotional, more intellectual. So you can love someone on an intellectual level, which is even higher than the emotional level. You know what I'm saying? So there's two levels. There's the emotional level, which is I'm attached to someone, I'm bonded to someone, I just, that's part of me, it's just I love that person because they're part of me. And then there's the intellectual, intellectual level, which is I love that person because look how much they did for me and how much I owe them and how much... They're, they're. So there's different levels of, of bonding. But do we think of Hashem as an intellect? Uh, it's even hard to say that. It's hard to say that because then you're describing God. And there's no way we can even understand that. Um, but what Rambam, we're going to see, Rambam Morin of Achim says what, you, what you're saying. He says that God has no uh, midot. Even the 13 attributes that Moshe Rabbeinu gave us, they don't describe God's attributes. They're just something for us to be able to latch onto and be able to imitate. So, because otherwise you really are lowering Hashem to a level where we can understand, to the level of emotion. Hashem has emotion, Hashem gets angry, Hashem doesn't get angry. Hashem is way above that. He's way above that. So we may see it as a sign of anger, but it's not really a sign of anger. It's more educational. Uh, it's just pure, I don't know. It's hard to say in pure intellect. It's very, because then you're describing God. And it's, uh, it's a physical kind of dis- description. But Hashem is above all these things. Hashem is above the physical, as you said. He's also above the emotional. He's above any kind of attribute we can attribute Him to. So that's the hard part. That's the hard part when talking about God. The hard part of talking about God is how do you describe Hashem? And the answer we can't describe in a positive way. We describe God with the negatives. He's insulf, he's no end, and no this, and nobody, no shape, but no this. What do you say about the positives? Well, he's all powerful. That's a positive. He's all, he can do whatever he wants. Okay. Not only that, but he's also good. Oh, that's the best. I like that the best. Hashem is a good God. He's a good God, which means He wants us to do good things. In other words, He loves good people. He loves good things. We have to define the word good first in America. So having a good time does not mean it's good. So <laughs> we're talking about an ethical term. Hashem is good. Pure goodness. Pure goodness. To describe Hashem is just pure goodness and altruism. But again, it's not really intellect. I don't know what it is. I don't know what Hashem is. So it's, uh, but it's, it's total altruism. Hashem created the world for no reason. He wanted to give. He wants to give. He likes to give. Does he need to give? No. Does he choose to give? He chooses to give. He chooses to give. He doesn't have to do anything. So anyway, so that's already going into metaphysical uh, concepts. But uh, it's very hard. You're right. It's very hard to describe Hashem as no emotions, no intellect. I mean, what does that mean? What are we left with? It's very hard for us to understand because... What, what we, we, the tools we work with are through our intellects and through our emotions and through this and through our bodies so we, we, don't, we can't think of that in terms of Hashem that's exactly what we're saying and that's why the only thing we can say about Hashem is He's Kadosh which we're going to talk about what does that mean Kadosh? what does holiness mean? when you decide something is holy what do you, when you holy? Separate. separate He's separate that's exactly what we're saying He's separate from everything He's you cannot compare Hashem to anything around. He's totally separate from everything around. And that's why this part is linked to this uh, principle. In the Yigdal. His, his holiness is impossible to even judge. What do you mean His holiness? Because He's so separate from our consideration. He's holy. That's what it means. It's impossible to even judge to get to that level of holiness. That even the angels are saying, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. There's one saying, Hello, Holy, Holy. This. In other words, every time you say holy, he's really separate. He's separate from another level. Separate from another level. So according to Kabbalists, there are four different dimensions. So he's holy, he's kadosh, he's separate from this dimension, separate from the next dimension, separate from the next dimension, three dimensions up. Whatever that means. Okay. He's holy. He's separate. 
Okay, now we come to yesterday's parasha, Vayetze. And this is the part I didn't talk about yesterday, because everyone talks about it. And that is, someone asked me this yesterday. What is this word, Vayvgabamakom? Yaakov Avinu has an encounter with Hashem. He has an encounter with the spiritual. How far we could have encounters, but the truth is we do have encounters with the spiritual. Because every time a person's in trouble and they cry out to God, Hashem is right there. Right? We say this in the, in the Ashrei. Whatever you come and you mention my name, I will come and bless you. But Hashem is Hashem Hashem is close to all who call out to him. Whoever calls out to him in truth. So Yaakovinu reaches this place. What is this place? What is what is the place? Who is the place? Is it a place? Or is it a person? Or is it Hashem? Baruch HaMakom, Baruch we say Haggadah. Blessed be the place. Blessed be He. Anyways, Hashem is the place. So who says this? Rav Huna B'Shem Rav Ami. Rav Huna says in the name of Rav Ami. This is in Breshit Rabbah. Pasha Vayetze. Yesterday's Pasha. Rav Huna says in the name of Rav Ami. Amar, Ma Mechanim Shemosha Kadosh Baruch Hu V'Korim Atomakom. Why do they call God a place? One of the names of God is a place. Yaakov hit the place. What do you hit? He reached the place. Who is the place? And the answer is the place is Hashem. Why? Why is Hashem called the place? He is the place of the world. The whole world is inside him. The place of the world is Hashem. The world is not his place. His place is the world. In other words, the world is inside him. He's not inside the world. We view Hashem as being part of the, inside the world. Hashem created the world. He was inside it. No. Hashem is, is the main place, and the world is inside Hashem. This universe is just a little piece of Hashem inside Hashem. Hashem is everywhere. So the world, the world is inside Hashem. It's like looking down into your gut with a, with a camera. Your food's inside you. You're not inside the food. The, the world is inside God. God is not inside the world. It's amazing. So Hashem is the makom. He is the place. And same thing it says by Moshe Rabbeinu. He named makom eti. Makom was with me. Right? By the by the by the rock in Sinai. Hine Makom Eti. There's a beautiful gematria over there by Makom. Um, it says if you take Yud K Vav K and you square each letter. You take Yud squared is hundred, right? Uh, hey squared is twenty five, Vav squared is thirty six, and uh, hey squared is twenty five, you add them up, you get Gematria Makom. Makom. Makom place. That's the Gematria of Makom. You came up to get squared, each letter squared. Amazing much. So Hashem is the place. He's the place. Yaakov, you hit the place. What is the place? Hashem is the place. He's the place where everything else is. So where is Hashem? And the answer is, <laughs> forget about where we are. Where is Hashem? Where are we? We're inside Hashem. We're inside somewhere. Okay. And we come to some questions. Uh, one of the questions we have. The Torah says in Pasha Ba'alotcha where it talks about Miriam spoke bad about Moshe, right? And Hashem is giving Miriam and Aaron Musar. You're talking bad about Moshe? He's my, 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 my prophet. My servant Moshe is not like this. He's, he's trustworthy in all my house. Moshe Rabbeinu has access to my whole house. And Moshe Rabbeinu can go anywhere he wants in, my, in my, all the dimensions. I speak to him mouth to mouth. Big question over here. 
Because the mouth. Right. And through visions and Utmunat Hashem Yabit. And he looks at the picture of Hashem. Well, Hashem is a picture. So again, we have to understand these things are all parables. Even what Moshe Rabbeinu perceives of Hashem was only, well, as we see later on, Hashem says, Moshe Rabbeinu asks Hashem, please let me see your front. And Hashem says, you can't see my front. A living man cannot see me. What does that mean? It means we can't even perceive Hashem. There's no, obviously you can't see Hashem. There's no perception of Hashem when a person's alive. Why? Because we think in terms of physical things. We're, we're bound by physical bodies. We're bound by physical concepts. We're living in a physical world. We're bound by gravity. We can't imagine what it's like to be a soul. Imagine the soul, the soul, just a soul, just hovering around, whatever that means. Uh, there's a nice, there's nice uh, things you can see by people who had after-death experiences, and they all say the same thing. Like, it's a totally different experience. It's seeing without eyes. It's perceptions. A person can see without eyes. They're hearing without ears. It's all perceptions. You can see, you can feel what's going on around you without even seeing it. It's amazing, it's amazing concept, and it's weightless. It can be in, you know, hovering around the place. And that's just the soul. That's imagine Hashem is way above that. Okay. Finish The Torah says in Devarim, chapter four, you will guard your souls very carefully. You never saw any pictures on this day. When Hashem spoke to you on Chorev, the Mount Chorev, from the fire. So you never saw any pictures. Remember that. You never saw anything. There's no way you can see me. There's no, there's no body to see. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, Show me your glory. You will not see my face. You cannot see my face and live. You'll see my back. But you will not see my face. So in other words, it's impossible to know Hashem. What do you mean the back of Hashem? What is the back of Hashem? So the concept of the back of Hashem is history. Look at the, look at, you look at history, you'll see the back of Hashem. You'll see what Hashem did in history, the past. The front of Hashem is the future. No one, no one can see the future, we can see the past. So by seeing the past, you see what Hashem did already. That's the back of Hashem. So the fact Hashem created the world, that's something we can understand. Hashem created. So that's the back of Hashem. We can see what Hashem did in the past. So like someone stayed in your house, you never saw the guy's face, but he came into your house, and he left a big mess, and he left. So you can see the back of the guy, you see what he did. Like, man, man. Okay, oh, he cleaned up your house, whatever it is, you can see what he did, that's the back. Okay. So all these, there's so much, so much, so much things we can talk about, but uh, it's hard, this concept is hard to grasp. Hashem has no body. Hashem has no shape. We have to be very careful. That's what Torah says. Be very, very careful. Guard your soul very carefully. Which is, by the way, is also a mitzvah of health. To guard your soul very carefully. But spiritually, to guard oneself very carefully from ideas that God has a body. That's what it means. Spiritually, guard yourself very carefully. Don't think of God in terms of physical form. It's very dangerous to think of God in physical form. And that brings us to idolatry and other things. Okay? Okay. Now, uh, what's interesting, we know in Rosh Hashanah, Hashem judges the whole world. Right? And the Mishnah says in, in uh, Rosh Hashanah, in, I think it's the, it's the first chapter of Mishnah in, the, in Rosh Hashanah, in the second part of Rosh Hashanah. All the people in the world are judged on Rosh Hashanah 
And they judge like Bnei Maron. So there's two opinions. One is Bnei Maron. One opinion says they're judged like sheep in front of the shepherd. The shepherd mm-hmm. sees all the sheep. He judges them. Or they're judged like the general judges his troops. They walk before him one by one. So can you imagine Hashem judges. How can a judge the whole world of seven billion people in one second? And the answer is that's, that's Hashem. Hashem knows what each one's doing on the by, he's in their minds, he's in their heads, he knows what they're thinking. It's amazing, amazing power of Hashem. So even without us talking, Hashem knows what's going on. Hashem is aware of what's going on. That's another one of the principles of faith. Okay. So Hashem is not a body, and physical concepts do not apply to Hashem. The concept of Yehud Hashem, as the Rambam tells us, of one God removes the possibility of Hashem having a body. Because if Hashem had a body, there could be more than one, because Hashem would be limited, right? And then there could be more than one. So if Hashem is one, it means He has no body. That's what Rambam says. The thing that separates two entities from one another is their physical limits and boundaries. If Hashem would have physicality, it would be limits. And there could possibly be a second Hashem. We also believe that Hashem is unlimited in terms of time, power, and if Hashem was physical, He would have boundaries, and he, would have, he would be finite, and He would be under time, not above time. And this is one of the reasons why we refer to Hashem as Makom. The universe is not the place inside of Hashem. The Hashem is the place of the universe. So Hashem, the universe exists inside Hashem. The, Hashem is the place of the universe. So there's no tumuna. Hashem has no tumuna. Hashem has no physical shape. And no one can understand Hashem. No one can understand Hashem. Not even Moshe Rabbeinu can understand Hashem. So, and, we, and the link to Kedusha is that Kedusha is beyond compare because everything else that's Kadosh has a physical element to them. Hashem's Kedusha is impossible to understand. Lo Kedushato. His holiness is, a, is a beyond any kind of measurement. So right after we mention the might of, and power of Hashem, we say, Ata Kadosh Hashem, in the, in the Shemun Esri, right? Ata Gibole Olam Hashem, right? We talk about the might of Hashem. Mechayem Etim, he can revive the dead, he builds the wind, he makes the rain. Rofei Cholim, Matinas Rim, he frees the bound, he, uh, he, uh, he heals the sick. All the might of Hashem. And straight after that, what we do, we say, Baruch Atah Hashem Ha'el Kadosh. Hashem is holy. What's the connection between holiness and might? And the answer is because if he would have a body, he would not be mighty. If he had a body, his might would be limited. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he has no body means his might is unlimited, and that's holiness. Holiness is separation from the physical. So it means he has no body, and that's how we... If he has no body, then he's unlimited. His energy, his powers is unlimited. And that's the connection holiness and might. Holiness is separation from physicality, and since he's separate from the physical, his, his power is unlimited. That's the connection. So belief in the physicality of Hashem is kfira, is uh, denying one of the major principles of the Torah. The danger of any thought of the physicality of God is not as great as the danger of losing all idea of the personality of Hashem. Oh boy, we talk about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Hashem is able to accomplish the same thing as we do, even without physical organs. In fact, he can do more with, without physical organs than we can do with physical organs, right? Mm-hmm. Hashem created the world, which is by... Well, the Torah uses the word saying, but obviously Hashem doesn't even speak. He doesn't have to say anything. The ten sayings that Hashem created the world, let there be... A voice? Exactly. If he wants to. Because if he has a voice, that means he has a mouth. No. 
Hashem could create a voice. He creates everything. The, the truth is that Hashem could do whatever He wants. He wants to create a voice, He create a voice. Okay. And it says, Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, when Hashem appeared to him the first time, the Midrash says, a very interesting Midrash, he hears a voice, Moshe, Moshe, whose voice did he hear? So the Midrash says he heard his father's voice. Hashem did not want to startle him. He hears his father's voice. Amram. Amram. Yeah. Moshe, Moshe. Daddy. Are you here? He said, I'm not your father, but I'm your father. Right. I'm your different father. So amazing. So, in other words, Hashem doesn't want to startle us. It's very nice. Hashem doesn't want to startle us. So you start hearing voices. <laughs> yes. I'm just thinking that two different things that, both, that it, when you really think about it, so it really, it's actually impossible for us to conceptualize Hashem. 100%. I agree. And so when you go back to, let's say, the Jews coming out of the Midbar and, and forward, it makes it much easier to understand why did they need the eagle or why were there so many generations mm-hmm. that kept going back to idols. 100%. Because it's actually impossible. And it's also... I agree with you. You could understand those four rabbis that went to the Pardes, one went crazy. Because if you really try to think about it, you're going to go, either go crazy or not believe or... Uh, what were the other two choices? Become a great rabbi or die. Right? Because to ask us to conceptualize something that you haven't given us the capacity to conceptualize is a little difficult. 100%. I agree with you. That's the answer. The answer is we have no mitzvah to conceptualize something we don't have a power to conceptualize. We just have to know that he has no body. He has no physical form. Beyond that, and to think about what is he then, I don't know. We can't, we can't conceptualize what he is. We just tell you, that's what I'm saying. We can only think about what he is not. So it's, uh, it's impossible to know who he is. So that's what Moshe Rabbeinu asked Hashem. Already now, Kvodecha, show me who you are. I want to know your essence. Hashem says, you can't. You cannot. Living man cannot see my essence. Because I'm, you don't have the tools to be able to see my essence. Because you think in terms of physical forms. So that's the problem. The problem is the dichotomy. Yes. It also makes you think of Israel. You know, and then the way they say that each have tried all the different religions, it almost seems like you go through all these animamians, it's almost like saying that one can't be true, that one can't be true, that one can't be. like what you said, that everything's negative, so Yitra tried this, but it had a form, or Yitra tried that, but it had a, and it's almost like all these animamians are Rambam's way of saying nothing else can be true. 100%. As Nothing else is true. That's 100%. That's exactly what I'm saying. You can't say this is what If it doesn't fit this 13 principles, then it's not true. Exactly. So it's, uh, it's a nice way of saying it. But you have to believe these 13 things. By believing these 13 things, you are a monotheist. You are a monotheist who believes in a God who is invisible and all-powerful, basically. We're going to think other things as well. So the first few discuss God, and then we move on to prophecy, which is we're going to come to uh, shortly. But uh, talk about God. So what do we say about God so far? What do we say about God so far? <coughs> Number one, he's one. He's uniquely one. He's not can be divided. What else do we say? Number one is we believe in God. There is a power, all-powerful. Number two is you are one. Number three is nobody. Three things we discussed so far. And that's all we know. That's all we know. There is a God. He's one. And no, there's no, no way you can divine him physically. That's all we know. So we are Bale Bechira. We are people who have choices. We all have choices. We can choose between good and bad, right and wrong. <coughs> and uh, that's the part of us that is similar to God. 
When it says we are creating the image of God, what do you mean God God's image? What an image of God? The answer is we have choices just like God has choices. He created us with his ability to choose. And uh, so we can understand from out of the tools. So if I'm strong, now I can understand the concept of strength. I can say, wow, if I'm strong, God is way stronger than me. If I'm smart, a person's going to say, if I'm smart, Hashem must be trillions of times smarter than me. If I am happy, Hashem must be, can be trillions of times happier. Whatever I have, I've got to be able to understand a little bit. But the trouble is, then that's the problem is, when you start thinking in physical terms, Hashem is not physical. Okay. What about the negatives? Yes, Hashem created evil. What did Hashem create evil for? To give us free choice. He gives free choice to be able to choose. Hashem has tremendous capacity what he wants to do, but he chooses to do good. And that's what we have to do. And that's what Torah tells us all the time. Choose life, choose good, choose this. Because the choices are vast. And that's the ability of Salem Lakim. Hashem created us Salem Lakim to do good and bad. And obviously Hashem wants us to do good. Why? Because he himself chooses to do good. Mm-hmm. If Hashem wanted to do, he can do whatever he wants. Obviously, Hashem is above everything. He chooses to do good because he is good. So that brings us to number four. What is number four? Again, above time. Mm-hmm. I believe that with perfect faith, he is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. The original eternal existence of Hashem. And there's the question children always ask. Who created Hashem? And the answer is, there's no beginning. Hashem is above time. Time does not affect God. So when we talk about time, we talk about the Big Bang, three billion years, whatever, three billion years ago. Where was Hashem? Hashem was the same Hashem. Before three billion years, Hashem was there. And Hashem was unchanged. Hashem hasn't changed. Hashem is above time. Hashem preceded everything. Kadmon lechol davar Hashenivra. We say in the Yigdal, he is the precede everything that was created. Rishon ve'en reshid reshitu. He was the, the start, and there's no start to his start. <laughs> there's no beginning to his beginning. He was before everything. Nothing came before Hashem. He was the original. There was nothing before him. He wasn't created because he, he is above time. There's no time. I mean, it's hard for us to comprehend this concept of above time. How do we comprehend the concept of above time? We know that Gan Eden is timeless. A person gets Gan Eden. The soul is not bound by time. The soul is above the physical dimension. Anything above the physical dimension is not controlled by time. Because time is a, f- a function of matter. Mm-hmm. Right? Matter, time. So there's no matter, there's no time. So anything which is above the physical, there's no time. So Hashem is above the physical. Time does not affect Hashem. Even though the Kabbalists say there is a concept of time in the spiritual world, it's not the same concept as we have of time today. Okay. So this is a very, very important rule. And it's, uh, it's interesting how little kids ask this question. The first question they have is, who created Hashem? And, which is a good question. Why? It means that they're thinking in terms of Rambam. That's what uh, Ram Vino did. Who's the creator of this? Who's the creator of that? Who's the creator of that? With the world? Who created the world? Okay, it gets to the point. Who created the world? So they're going one step ahead. Who created Hashem? And the answer is, he has no creator. Why? He's above time. That's the, that's the part they cannot grasp. They can't grasp the answer, but they can grasp the question. It's a very good question. And you've got to tell them, it's a very good question. And you've got to explain that Hashem has no body, and he's above time, because Hashem is not matter. Okay, then you're going to say, listen, come back to me next year, and I'll explain to you more. Okay. 
so still ask the same question. Yeah, but it's very good. No, they don't ask the question again. It's interesting. They get a certain time, that's it. Yeah, they get to and the, then they get over it, and then they don't ask the question anymore. But you never, you never know. It's probably back in their subconscious. Mm-hmm. So either they're rejecting God because of that question, or they're accepting God. You know, it depends how you answer that question. It's a very, very critical question. So, um, and this is a very powerful part of Imuna, is Hashem is above time. Which, which is very strange if you think about it, because Hashem is seeing the past, the present, the future in one continuum. There is no past, present, and future for God. Everything is one continuum. He's seeing the whole of human history as if it's happening at the same time. So imagine, our whole lives are just in front of God right now. Mm-hmm. All the scenes. Can you imagine seeing the scenes of the movie? Right? So when you're movie, watching a movie, you just see scene after scene. But the guy who produced the movie, he has all the scenes in front of him. Right. Hashem has all the scenes of human history in front of him. And who knows what else he has. The, the Torah says, Vayere Vayboker. It was evening, it was morning. The Midrash says, what do you mean it was evening and morning? It was evening of previous worlds. Hashem was destroying and creating, destroying and creating. So he sees the whole picture of all the previous worlds as well. We, we got to see a little clip of one movie. That's it. And we have questions. <laughs> of course we're going to have questions. You only just saw a clip. You want to understand the whole picture? Good luck. You have to see, watch the whole movie. But you're not going to live long enough to watch the whole movie. That's a trouble. So when we, we pass away, we'll see the whole movie. Then we can understand the whole movie. Then we'll say, why didn't I have a bigger role in the movie? <laughs> it's like uh, the kid has a, has a role in the movie, the, the school they have put on a play. Right. So his mother says, what's your role? She says, I'm the Jewish husband. And she says, couldn't you get a speaking part? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so this is this is a very important rule that Hashem is above time. Hashem existed before anything else did. Hashem exists eternally. We can't put a starting point to the existence of Hashem. The existence of Hashem is the only necessary and absolute existence. Going to Rambam, if you don't believe Hashem exists, then nothing else exists. Very simple. The fact that other things exist means Hashem exists and He made them. So the proof that Hashem exists is that everything else is existing. If, if Hashem was not existing, nothing would exist. We believe that Hashem is above time and Hashem is the original existence. You know, we know that the, in those days, I think Aristotle and others, they believed that the world was constantly there, which today we know is wrong. But they actually believed the world was constantly existing. There's not a point, there's no Breshit Barai Lakim. Um, there was no Breshit, there was no beginning. Everything was there. And they put the world with Hashem, same time. So, today we know the world was created by Hashem. Uh, but the fact is, the Torah said that many thousands of years ago. Breshit Barai Lakim. There was no world, and Hashem created the world. So, there was never a definite existence to the universe, it just came about. Hashem is the one who never had a beginning. Atheists refer to this concept as junk science because you cannot understand it. So this, the so anyway, so we believe that's why it's one of the beliefs that Hashem is the first, and He there's nothing beginning. He has no beginning. He is above time, which makes total sense, a rational sense. If you say Hashem has a 
the time affects Hashem. Hashem's getting older as we get older. And Hashem changes as we change. We, no, Hashem is unchanging. How is Hashem unchanging? Because things which are above time don't change. Time does not affect them. So our belief in the beginning of the world is also a belief in Hashem can create something from nothing. And this is also the foundation of our, fa- our faith. That Hashem creates something from nothing. And that's the basis of the word Shabbat, right? When we, when, we, when we celebrate Shabbat, it's interesting, very fascinating. Now, many years ago, we were, we were Zohar. We had a tremendous opportunity over here. We had uh, Rabbi Jacobowitz. He came, which is fantastic, because at that time, this was the only social hall in, in the whole ca- town, uh, in Orthodox Shul. It was the only one, uh, 26 years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a big social hall. So OE was there, but the social was small. Over here, we had a big social hall. So they had all the events over here. So... Uh, I think Shalom Torah brought Rabbi Jakovitz. It happened to be his last public speaking engagement because he passed away that year, a week a week later. Terrible, tragic, tragic. He was he was already very weak. He was running around, went around America. He came here one of the stops, and his topic that day was um, genetic engineering. That was his topic, and he was going way off topic. He was talking about assimilation, intermarriage, da 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 da. Keep on going. I'm looking at the guy next to me. Saying, Okay, he's lost. He lost it. You know, he's old. Isn't it? <laughs> and then he starts talking about Shabbat, and we're looking. What's he talking about? Oh, Shabbat now. What's it got to do with genetic engineering? <laughs> and then he asks a question, an amazing question. He says, "Listen, think about it. What are we celebrating on Shabbat? What are we celebrating? Creation. Are we celebrating creation? Stopping creation. Stop creation. We're right. sta- we're celebrating stopping creation. Right. We should celebrate on a Sunday." We should celebrate Bereshit by Elohim. Hashem created the world on a Sunday. But we, when he rested. Why do we celebrate rest? Why do we celebrate stopping? That was his question. And then, wow, we woke up. That woke us up. <laughs> we were all sleeping. <laughs> wow, we never thought about that before. What an amazing question. We celebrate resting. Right. Why? Because when you rest, you show you're in control. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, the creation is controlling him, and he's not controlling the creation. Hashem can create. So he creates. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.